Coming up on Golf Today, Nelly Corda meets the press in France ahead of the fourth of five majors in the women's game. What is the state of her game following a medical scare? How close is she to winning again? And a new honor for four-time PGA Tour winner Billy Andrade, named the recipient of the Payne Stewart Award presented by Southern Company. He'll join us, talk about his charity, and look ahead to his big night at the Tour Championship. And it's the final day of what has been a wonderful event in Pinehurst, North Carolina. We'll bring you highlights of the U.S. Adaptive Open and get a visit from USGA CEO Mike Wan to talk about the deeper meaning of this championship. It's all ahead right here on Golf Today. Golf Today. Brought to you by PointsBet. Some big news dropping from Ryder Cup Europe this morning. Henrik Stenson's tenure as the 2023 European Ryder Cup captain is now over. A few hours ago, Ryder Cup Europe released a statement saying, quote, Ryder Cup Europe today confirms that Henrik Stenson's tenure as captain of Team Europe for the 2023 Ryder Cup at Marco Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome, Italy, has been brought to an end with immediate effect. In light of decisions made by Henrik in relation to his personal circumstances, it has become clear he will not be able to fulfill certain contractual obligations to Ryder Cup Europe that he had committed to prior to his announcement as captain back on Tuesday, March 15th, earlier this year. It is therefore not possible for him to continue in the role of captain. Confirmation of the new 2023 European Ryder Cup captain will be made in due course. Ryder Cup Europe will be making no further comment on any aspect of the process until that time. So with that, hello and welcome into golf today. I'm George Savarikas alongside Damon Hack. More chaos in the world of golf. And you didn't think the ripple effects would ultimately affect the captaincy of Henrik Stenson in Team Europe in the Ryder Cup, but that's where we land now, Damon. Even the captaincy, one of the great honors in our sport, is not exempt from this fracturing at the top levels of professional golf. And there are a couple stories here. I'm struck by the strength of the word, stripped of his captaincy, relieved of his duties. And Henrik Stenson, a five-time player who back in March talked about the honor and the, this is for all the Swedes who preceded me, how proud he was, how humbled he was, and for how that storyline shifts for him being removed of this some would call it a lifetime dream to be a Ryder Cup captain, and now Europe has to find someone else. And for the sanctity of this event, which has been called the Super Bowl of golf, it's a gut punch on this Wednesday. Obviously, the rumors are Henrik Stenson is going to live golf. That hasn't been confirmed yet by live golf or Stenson, but you would think the first domino to fall, him being stripped of his captaincy, has to be because of pending moves yeah. in that direction. If you look at the the story and to give it some layers of context to, to where it's unfolded now, Henrik Stenson publicly had lost millions with uh, the fraudster financier Alan Stanford, who's right. in prison for a Ponzi scheme that totaled $7 billion. Stenson uh, publicly stated that he lost around $8 million investing through Stanford in 2009, who was a sponsor on the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour uh, at that time. Stenson subsequently, I mean, recovered, winning the FedEx Cup and the race to Dubai in the same season in 2013. Yeah. By all accounts, a, a, a a very well-received peer in Europe and over here in the U.S. and in our media dealings is a great guy yeah, uh, sure, from a personality sure. standpoint. Yeah. So had a pretty sterling reputation in the world of golf. Yeah. Um, but clearly, money talks, the offer had to have been something so financially astounding that, that he couldn't turn down. And I think this was a strategic strike by Greg Norman, potentially, and live golf yeah. to go after the European Ryder Cup captain because this doesn't have to do with what Stemson has done with his clubs in the last couple years. His four of his last six cuts, he has, he's almost of that age. Westwood, Poulter, Keimer, Garcia, Casey, McDowell, and now Stenson. You are talking about the Lions in winter of the European Tour, players who carried the European Ryder Cup team on its shoulders. And listen, make no mistake, Henrik talked about the significance of the appointment. I want to go back to some of the words he said 
back in March because they were very, very strong about the humbleness of the honor, you know, standing on the shoulders of people who, who were before him. He was asked about these breakaway circuits. And he said, listen, there's been a lot of speculations back and forth. As I have said, I am fully committed to the captaincy and to Ryder Cup Europe and the job at hand. So we're going to keep busy with that. I'm going to do everything in my power to deliver a winning team in Rome. More from Henrik back in March. Some of my greatest moments have been with the team at the Ryder Cup and uh, winning, losing, the, the joy, the the defeats, uh, anything that goes with it, it's, it's a fantastic event uh, and uh, it's always been a huge honour to, to put that shirt on for Europe and, and to now sit here as the, as the Ryder Cup captain is uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's even bigger, I, I feel, so uh, yeah, huge honour. No, I have to say this is, uh, this is beyond my, my wildest dreams and expectations. Uh, I remember watching Seven and Olasabal in the Ryder Cup at the Belfry back in the day and you know, just thinking of of the possibility of playing in the Ryder Cup, and I had my debut in 2006 at the K Club, and and then uh, been part of, of Team Europe on and off for for the next near enough 20 years. So uh, to sit here now as the captain, it's it's certainly the the full circle and, and something I I couldn't have envisioned back in the day. So uh, yeah, dreams do come true. Couldn't have envisioned it back in the day. You know, rocking that. European Ryder Cup crest on his chest, talking about his first Ryder Cup in 2006 at the K Club and all those moments uh, with his teammates. It's not like he didn't know back in March. I mean, he's, he, he's the one who, who shot down the rumors. What's changed since, since then? I would assume the amount of zeros that were on the offer from Live Golf. It has to be mm. what changed at the last minute. I, I'm also a little confused here. Well, if you parse through the language in the Team Europe statement, basically, yeah. stripping him of the captaincy, which is backboned, obviously, by the DP World Tour. They yeah. control Team Europe. It says contractual obligations. So it seems like there was some type of understanding through the Ryder Cup that Henrik Stenson would not potentially join a breakaway circuit, a.k.a. Live Golf. But there was clearly a lot of smoke, and his name was right there with Lee Westwood, was. He Ian Poulter, profile. He Graham does. McDowell, all those guys, Martin Keimer, were in the same rumor mill. So it almost seemed like a stopgap in the first place. It was confusing to us yeah. to have him as the captain when you thought, well, okay, you're going up against an unlimited bankroll. There could be a certain breaking point where the offer is just too enticing. Isn't the captaincy lucrative as well and the opportunities to lead Team Europe and the speaking engagements and the corporate circuit and, the, and just the honor of – I mean, listen, Rory's tears and Olaf Fable <laughs> dancing and Sergio, you know, running down the fairway and Seve and Faldo, these two bitter rivals embracing in 95 in tears. I mean, like – what are we supposed to think as the as the golf fan? Does it mean more to the fan than it does to the player? I mean, this is a blow on this day, I think. As someone who has covered this game and covered this event and looked at the captains on either side with great respect and honor and Steve Stricker crying in, in, in Wisconsin, this is a blow today. Oh, it's a substantial blow. I, I completely agree. I, I don't know that it means more to the fans than the players talking with guys who have experienced the Ryder Cup yeah. and, and talking – with yeah. retired players, yeah, their memories generally go back to the Ryder Cup. Who I beat, who I played with, what the team room was like, yeah. how many Ryder Cups I won, what was the most memorable. It's not often that you're hearing an individual achievement. It's usually the Ryder Cup stories are the ones that they share among their peers and with us. It is definitely a blow. Where does the DP World Tour go from here yeah. with the next captain? They've lost seven guys right. who were integral to the last 20 years of success with the Ryder Cup. And for Henrik, it's not even the fact that you know, we don't know for sure that he's going, but the speculation that he's, he will, it's that he's going back on his word, too. Yes. I can't help but think about one of my favorite movies, Jerry Maguire. Tell me you didn't sign. Tell me you didn't sign because I, I, was, I believed your words. You know, my handshake is stronger than oak. I mean, tell me you didn't sign. I, I can't help but, but feel a little bit bamboozled by the strength of his words back in March. That's the part that is not going to sit well with golf fans, yeah. especially yeah. those in Europe. It would have been one thing if yeah. the first week of March he said, hey, this would be yeah. a high honor. It's going back 
But honestly, I don't think that I'm going to be able to say no to this offer. But yeah. but clearly at the time, that's what he believed. Yeah. 120 days later, very different story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's welcome in uh, Shane Ryan, author most recently of the Ryder Cup book, The Cup They Couldn't Lose. Shane, clearly a lot to get to with the Henrik Stenson news. Uh, your initial reaction to this? Yeah, you know, you guys covered it so well. Uh, on a personal front, it was heartbreaking because for all the years I've covered golf, uh, not as many as you guys, but it's you know been a decade at this point. I've always found Henrik Stenson to be really witty, really funny, a really kind person. And, you know, in your head, you want to think there's a guy who's not going to do it. He's not going to, you know, go for that, uh, go for that brass ring. But there it is. And, you know, the thing that is flabbergasting about this is back in February, when the European Ryder Cup Selection Committee was choosing its captain, you had guys like Westwood and Poulter who knew they were going to go. And they, you know, they gave excuses like, well, I want to work on my game, but this is not the time for me to be Ryder Cup captain. They said that because they didn't want to be considered because they knew that what happened to Stenson was going to happen to them. Somehow, what Stenson did, I think, is far worse, where he, he took it. I don't know the exact contractual details uh, of what he signed, but clearly he was in breach of at the very least, you know, a verbal agreement. I'm not going to go to the, to the live tour. He signed that. He became the face of the European Ryder Cup for this cycle. And then he went back on them. And I got to tell you guys, it's so bad. George, you mentioned that, well, at the time, this is what he thought. I can tell you, like, from some of my sources that the Europeans, they don't know this, but they're wondering, did he just accept the Ryder Cup job as a leverage, basically, knowing that Liv is going to want to come after the European tour. And if I take this job, they're going to pay me more money. And so by doing this, I can up my eventual pay. Again, that is not confirmed, but this is how strained the relationship is right now that people are talking that way. Like, did we just get really, really played? Well, on that note, Shane, I mean, the Ryder Cup is an institution in our game. It will go on. It's been called the Super Bowl of our sport. But how much of a blow is this to all the powerful symbolism that the Ryder Cup evokes? Yeah, and, you know, I think you guys nailed this, too, which is that's part of the reason Liv did it, right? This is their – it's almost like a virus. They're not just trying to start a rival golf league. They're really going for the kill on these big institutions, uh, whether it's in the European Tour, the PGA Tour. Of course, the PGA of America is roped into this. Now, as to the practical effect, I personally don't think that when you get to um, Marco Simone next summer, uh, next fall, I don't think people are really going to care. I don't think they're going to be like, well – can't watch this Ryder Cup because it's, you know, Henrik Stenson made a fool of them and it's has no status anymore. I think it'll be just fine. I know there'll be a lot of, you know, disappointed Swedish fans and Nordic fans in general that this happened. But I think, you know, the average rank and file fan by that time is going to forget about it. Uh, and this is not going to be a huge blow to the Ryder Cup itself. Certainly not as big as, you know, the players that you want to see who have jump ship and who won't be there. I mean, what type of reckoning do you think this is happening now within Team Europe to from the elder statesmen? to have lost all these notable names that we already mentioned on the show. And now they kind of have to regroup and figure out, okay, well, who's next to ascend to that role? And would they fall susceptible to the same thing that just unfolded? Yeah. You know, it's a great question. I think, <laughs> I think the next choice they make is going to be a safer choice. You know, you could, you could pin some of the blame on, on team Europe for this one, right? Like you took a risk with Henrik Stenson. There was always the risk that something like this would happen. I think if you had picked Luke Donald from the beginning, you would not be worrying about this. And so, you know, I think your next pick is going to be somebody like Donald. He was in the running the first time. He was probably a very close second to Stenson. Uh, other names like Thomas Bjorn may want another bite at the apple. Eduardo Molinari is already a vice captain. You know, he's got the Italy connection. I think their next choice uh, is going to be between those three. And I think they're all safe from the live golf allure unless – Live Golf is going to get extra sadistic and say, okay, Eduardo Molinari, here's 40 million pounds. Come play with us. We just want to hurt the Ryder Cup any way we can. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the next captain will, will stick. Shane, from the outside, we've marveled at the cohesion of this European team for the last 20 years. How much a part of the Ryder Cup Europe machinery was Henrik as a five-time player, as an assistant captain? Yeah, and the irony of that hasn't escaped me, Damon. I mean, we've heard forever, and I think I believed it, that, you know, the Americans want to win, uh, but they don't care. They don't have the passion that the Europeans have. Poulter, Westwood, uh, Henrik Stenson, here, they're all gone. <laughs> they're all gone. You know, if things stand, they're never going to be Ryder Cup captains. The Americans, other than Patrick Reed, are not gone. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's something really strange about that. And I can tell you that Stenson was a really big part of it. 
he was, you know, a great, a great teammate with Justin Rose. Of course, that partnership is one of the most successful ever uh, for Team Europe. Um, he, he was just always an instrumental role. Everybody likes him. He was a team guy. There, there's really no sugarcoating this one. You know, I think maybe if you don't like live golf, you would want to say, well, oh, Henrik Stenson wasn't that big a deal. No, I mean, everybody liked him. Uh, journalists liked him, obviously, as we're talking about it. And it's it's bad. Let's get into the dollars and cents, um, the, the kind of financial opportunity gained by Henrik Stenson potentially, obviously, with Live Golf. We haven't seen what that amounts to. The financial opportunity lost as far as what he could have made from endorsements, uh, appearance fees at events. Do you have any idea what that ballpark is? And then also, we saw the PGA Tour's response to Live Golf, how they're upping purses and trying to match in at least to some degree what the purses are there. Do you think the economic structure with how players are compensated for the Ryder Cup could potentially change in the future? You know, here's the thing. I, I'm only repeating numbers I've heard in the British press, but what I'm hearing is minimum 30 million pounds. So I'm, I'm bad at translation, but maybe $40 million, maximum of about $50 million or more. Uh, you know, no matter what the level of compensation changes. And I think, yeah, I think in all levels, the PGA Tour is trying to do this. Probably the Ryder Cup players deserve to make money, right? We're watching it because of them. It's it's a huge, lucrative event. They probably deserve a cut. Uh, but you're not going to, you know, if you're Henrik Stenson, you're not going to make $40 million playing in the Ryder Cup for a guy who's kind of over the hill, you know, playing-wise and doesn't command really, like, this huge audience or anything like that. That is the fundamental imbalance here. No matter what incremental changes the, the quote-unquote good guys make, uh, you know, the Saudis can, can go and say, you know, here from our public investment fund is $50 million, and nobody can match that. And they know that this, they're not doing this to make a profit. They, are, they know they're overpaying him. They're doing this for the symbolism of it and to win in the long run. Uh, so that's the, that's the problem here. It's not an equal playing field at all. And therefore, the Ryder Cup not exempt from the fracturing at the top levels of professional golf. Shane, thanks for hopping on. We appreciate a few minutes. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you a lot, guys. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. It's fun. What a special week it's been, this new national championship at Piners Number 6, showcasing the world's best golfers with disabilities, the U.S. Adaptive Open Championship serves as the USGA's 15th national championship. Now, the event began on Monday, concludes today, showcasing and celebrating the adaptive golf community by providing them the stage to achieve their dreams and compete for a national championship. Let's take a closer look at some of the details, competitors, in the U.S. Adaptive Open are playing under the modified rules of golf for players with disabilities. And the USGA's Ben Shade explains what that means and some key differences compared to other golf events. Here at the Adaptive Open, there's a player's assistant assigned to each group. And now you won't see this at other USGA championships, but what this individual is tasked to do is help the players with things like raking bunkers, repairing ball marks, fixing divots, even helping searching for golf balls. And that's just one of the many steps we're taking here at the Adaptive Open to improve the player experience. How about the winners? They're all winners 
This week, this inaugural U.S. Adaptive Open Championship, a male and female overall champion will be crowned. Male and female winner of each impairment category will also receive a copper medal, gold medal in custody of the U.S. Adaptive Open Trophy for one year, exempted to next year's U.S. Adaptive Open Championship as well, and name inscribed on a plaque recognizing all 2022 USGA champions that will reside in the Hall of Champions at the USGA Golf Museum. And with more on this great championship, we're pleased to be joined by USGA CEO Mike Juan. Mike, we have so enjoyed telling these stories this week, meeting the, the athletes. What's it been like on the ground at Pinehurst? Damon and George, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here on on Championship Wednesday. It's uh, it's funny when I came when I flew in here a couple of days ago. I sent a message to John Bodenhammer, our Chief Championships Officer, and I said, "What should my expectations be?" And his text back was, "Joy, just one word." And I thought he was talking about the athletes. I knew there'd be a lot of joy out here. I knew there'd be a lot of appreciation, and this is lift. But he was talking about our staff, people wearing USGA on their shirts and on their jackets, and this is. Um, this is the right thing to do. It's the right thing for the game, and, and, and we're all swollen with pride. I mean, it's great for them. They're having an incredible week. But i got to say that the real benefactors, everybody else out here watching them, because um, they are life-changing in how they, how they approach the game, but they're changing our lives in, in watching them attack the U.S. Adaptive Open the way they do. It's a, it's a special moment, and it's, it's, uh, this says a lot about our game and what it means to so many different people. Mike, it's been special for us to watch from afar uh, here on Golf Today. Damon and I have been seeing the highlights and the stories uh, the past couple days. How did this idea initially come together? You know, this goes all the way back, George, to uh, 2009 when golf became an Olympic sport. And we talked a little bit at the time about uh, Paralympics and golf in the Paralympics. And I think the response we got at the time was, you guys, meaning golf as a sport, you're really not ready for Paralympics. And, you know, why aren't we ready? Well, there's not national championships. There's not clear ranking systems. You don't understand all the different classifications within the space. And we all sort of looked at each other and realized maybe they're right. You know, we really haven't um, figured out this the way we – and a lot of things that have happened over the years that a lot of people haven't paid attention to. When we had modified rules for disabilities that we announced a few years back, nobody really paid attention. It was all leading up to this. Uh, so that we could actually figure out this championship. Our belief is this championship is going to stem both directions. And what I mean by that is I think we're going to see state and regional qualifiers over the years. We're going to see global qualifiers to get into this championship like you'd see in any USGA national championship. I also think it's going to go the other direction. And this, this kind of championship and others like this that will form around the world will lead to golf in the Paralympics and, and to be the identifiers for who are the best in the game that deserve to compete for, that, for those kind of gold medals. So I really believe this is the beginning of what will really stem both on a regional, state, local level, but also on very much an Olympic level in the future. Mike, Tiger Woods is tweeting about this event. Minji Lee, Michelle Wee West. What <laughs> message does this event send to the larger golf community? You know, you know, not just the larger golf community, Damon, but I was in the player hospitality lounge last night sitting with a few players that had just come off their, uh, off their round, and Tiger's tweet was the topic. Tigers watching us was kind of the, the question mark. And, uh, and I said, it's not just Tiger. And started showing them, to your point, a bunch of other athletes from not just golf, but all other sports watching this, realizing that um, you're not just representing um, adaptive or, or disabled golfers. You're representing our sport. You're sending a message around the world to uh, what golf can mean to, to so many people. And what's really cool out here, Damon, and you might have seen it, and I apologize if you've already told the story, but to see young disabled kids asking for autographs of adaptive players coming off the championship. If you don't think that's that's meaningful and important to those kids, um, so it's um, it's really it's really cool what's happening. I think our sport right now more than ever um, needs a message about what it's really all about because this isn't about money and contracts. This is about meaning and difference and and feeling included, and that's what's happening this week. Yeah, it's powerful to have someone that you can look up to for an event that you want to compete in. This is the 15th USGA National Championship. Each USGA championship has its own significance and characteristics. Uh, what would you say the U.S. Adaptive Open, what place it now holds? Um, I think this is the top of the list of pride uh, for my team in terms of what we're proud of we're doing. I think this is, um, 
this is the seeds of something different. I mean, it's easy now to talk about the U.S. junior girls or team event or or the U.S. senior or men's senior open. Um, when we did those things, we knew it could lead to more. But now that it's led to more, we sort of don't remember the days in which we, we took on the big challenge. We all know sitting here today that this thing is going to lead to so much more. And that's the pride that we feel. That's the pride that the athletes feel. They know that they're going to be part of the first one and how different this sport's going to look for them and for us in just four or five years isn't a question. The question is just how different. And I think all of us have this sense of pride, whether you're playing the event, working the event, or watching the event, you know you're watching something that's just the beginning of something much bigger. Mike, it's a joyful week. It's a, a prideful week. I know it's also a busy week for you and the USGA. I understand the Hall of Fame is moving <laughs> to Pinehurst. What should we know? Well, in 2024, when we open up uh, Golf House Pinehurst, about, you know, maybe a par five away from the Carolina Hotel and maybe a par three away from the Cradle, um, part of that expansion is going to be the new home of the World Golf Hall of Fame. So in 2024, the World Golf Hall of Fame will move back to Pinehurst, where it started 50 years ago, um, together at the USGA facility. I've watched uh, the PGA of America start the World Golf Hall of Fame. I've watched the PGA Tour kind of carry and, and, and cradle that, that emphasis over the last 25 years. And we really believe at the USGA it's our turn. Um, nobody uh, respects this game and preserves history better. So together with the World Golf Hall of Fame, the USGA, and the Village of Pinehurst, we're going to make sure that the best in this game, the ones that truly left it better and truly left their mark, have a home forever. And when we play the U.S. Open here in June of 2024, that'll be the next induction class into the hall, and that'll happen right here at the new home in front of the new World Golf Hall of Fame. So that was a big moment for us. We already have announced a lot that we're going to do here in Pinehurst, but we were sitting on this news, and today we told the world that the World Golf Hall of Fame will be part of our new home here in Pinehurst in 24. Yeah, it's exciting news in the future for sure. Mike, I say this from the bottom of my heart. You're the only man who can wear a button down and look cool in Pinehurst in the middle of July. <laughs> Thank you for lying, George. I'm not cool, but it's, uh, I came right from one press conference to the other. There's a short sleeve shirt in my near future. Oh, you've Thanks earned it, buddy. Time. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What a great moment this past weekend. Billy Andre named the 2022 Payne Stewart Award winner, given each year to the player who best exemplifies sportsmanship and charitable giving. You saw... Payne's widow, Tracy, son, Aaron, daughter, Chelsea, presenting the award. Back in 1991, Billy partnered with Brad Faxon to create the Andre Faxon Charities for Children. That foundation raised more than $7.5 million since its founding over 30 years ago. As part of the celebration last week, Andre got to ring the opening bell on the New York Stock Exchange. Bill will officially be given the award during the week of the Tour Championship down in Atlanta. You can see that ceremony right here on Golf Channel. How about this? On Twitter this past Tuesday, Billy tweeting out, I'm so honored to be this year's recipient of the Payne Stewart Award. Thanks for representing sponsor Southern Company along with PGA Tour Jay Monahan. I was in Pinehurst recently and had to take this sweet picture. So let's welcome in the man, Billy Hendrick, joining the show. Billy, you've had a couple days now for this all to sink, sink in. You have a very distinguished list of past recipients. Uh, what does it mean to you to now be included? Um, <clears throat> my wife said that, uh, I've never been speechless in my life. And, uh, when Tracy announced it to me, this was back in May and I had to keep it quiet for 
six weeks until the announcement at uh, the New York Stock Exchange this past week. And uh, what does it mean? This is uh, the highest honor in my golfing career. So uh, uh, to be on that list uh, with all these former winners that, um, you know, you think about it. Yeah, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, and Byron Nelson were the first three the first year. Uh, the next 23 years uh, until till me, it was just one recipient a year. And um, you look at iconic figures in the game of golf. You look at um, mentors to me, uh, Peter Jacobson, Jay Haas, Brad Faxon, guys that uh, took care of me when I got on the PGA Tour, to guys that I competed against, and I know them all. So uh, to be in this uh, elite group is, is such an honor. Um, I knew Payne well. Um, he, he was, uh, a needler to me when I first got on the tour, he called me a rookie for about three years. Um, but, uh, he saw something in me, I guess that, uh, uh, he liked and, and, and when you needle somebody, you know, deep down, you really like them. So, uh, I have so many great pain stories. So to, to, to win this award in his honor, uh, from Southern company and the PGA tour and, and Jay Monahan, I, I can't thank everybody enough. This is, uh, it's going to be a real celebration. I just hope I can keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, I've always been quietly jealous of players who knew pain. I didn't start covering golf till 2001. You said you have a lot of Payne Stewart stories. Is there a favorite Payne Stewart story? You know, um, the one that comes to mind uh, was uh, after my initiation of uh, getting in with him, where he didn't call me rookie anymore. We were playing the Memorial. Um, I made the cut. It was a Friday night where I was at a restaurant. And he walked by and he said, how'd you do? And I said, well, I'm at two under. How'd you do? He said, I missed the cut. And um, he said something I'll never forget. He said, um, I wish I had your tempo. And he walked away. And I was like, man, no one's really talked about my golf swing being like really good or anything. Um and I just got the greatest compliment from, you know, one of my heroes, one of the guys that I looked up to. And, uh, you know, at that time, uh, he, he had won a U.S. Open. He had won a PGA. He was a Ryder Cupper. Um, and for that person to say that to me is something that uh, just re resonated with me. And it really helped my career going forward after that. It's amazing how one sentence like that, Billy, can stick with you the rest of your life. And I know you mentioned the relationship with Brad Faxon. It dates all the way back to 1991. You guys started this charity together. Uh, what impact has charity had on your life? Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, to be able to uh, – well, at the beginning of my career on the PGA Tour, uh, it was all about survival. It was all about just keeping your card. And, and then in the late 80s, the tour started – getting really involved with the charity, charity side. And also we were playing in a lot of charity golf tournaments, went up to Portland and played in the Fred Meyer challenge, played the Ronald McDonald house in Cleveland, played um, tournaments all over the country. And, and, and I saw what these others were doing where they were from. And, um, you know, growing up in a small state like Rhode Island, um, I asked Brad, you know, Hey, why don't we get together here? And, uh, be able to give back. We started our foundation for children in need uh, with our wives, and um, it is it, it took off. And to this day, we still uh, give out three hundred thousand dollars a year to over fifty, sixty charities uh, in in and around Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts. So this is something we started way back in the early nineties, and we're still doing it today. What what impact has it has it made? Um, you know, I would say that uh, it's made a tremendous impact that we're able to give back to um, children and to organizations uh, that really, truly need it. And I went to college at Wake Forest on the Arnold Palmer Scholarship, and Arnold came to Wake, and he, uh, he talked about what golf can do. He used Wake Forest, but also what golf can do and how, how it can open up doors and which door are you going to go through. I went through a door that got me on the PGA Tour. Well, another door I opened was – hey, you know what, maybe we can give back um, through golf. And you have golf tournaments, you raise money, and then every year you, you give money away at the end of the year. Our CVS charity, Health Charity Classic, uh, just ended after 23 years. We gave over $25 million away. So it, it's just uh, the impact you can make through this wonderful game of golf 
and what Arnold Palmer said to my golf team uh, back when I was a freshman has surely come true. Billy, no pressure, but these speeches at the Tour Championship, as you know, they're always moving highlights of the year. What, what do you hope to convey in Atlanta? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still uh, rumbling in my head how I'm going to construct this this uh, this great honor in this in my speech. I've never been a um, a speech writer where I've, I've I've spoken quite a bit to a lot of different folks, but I've always had little topics to go by and then just let it go. And and I don't know. My wife's a Presbyterian minister. She writes a lot of sermons. Uh, she's uh, willing to give me some help. So. Uh, um, I'm just going to be very, very thankful, very thankful for my friends, uh, for, for my family and, uh, for all the, all the great, and then joining this great fraternity, uh, the Payne Stewart award recipient. So, um, it's going to be a, a, a joyful occasion. I'll tell a few funny stories, hopefully. So, uh, I don't bore everybody to death, but, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on uh, August 23rd. Well, Billy, with everything that you've given back to the game of golf and to charity, it's very fitting that you're the Payne Stewart Award recipient this year. Congratulations. Thank you so much, George. Thank you, Damon. I appreciate it so much. All right, still more to come on golf today. And again, this was Billy at the cradle of American golf with the Payne Stewart statue. How special is that? Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Some big news earlier from Ryder Cup Europe. Today, Henrik Stenson's tenure as the 2023 European Ryder Cup captain is now over. Ryder Cup Europe released a statement saying, quote, Ryder Cup Europe today confirms that Henrik Stenson's tenure as captain of Team Europe for the 2023 Ryder Cup at Marco Simone Golf and Country Club in Rome, Italy from September 25th through October 1st has been brought to an end with immediate effects in light of decisions made by Henrik in relation to his personal circumstances. It has become clear he will not be able to fulfill certain contractual obligations to Ryder Cup Europe that he had committed to prior to his announcement as captain on Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. And it is therefore not possible for him to continue in the role of captain. Confirmation of the new captain will be made in due course. Ryder Cup Europe will be making no further comment on any aspect of the process until that time. Damon Ack alongside George Savarikis on this ever-evolving story as it continues to kind of sink in what is top of mind for you. When we left Whistling Straits, never thought that we would see a captain impeached in essence mm. with all the, I guess, positive emotions with Team USA and the performance they saw with Captain Steve Stricker, how gracious Padraig Harrington was in defeat, everything that embodied the Ryder Cup going forward, it seemed like it was impenetrable, unbreachable. And today we know that's clearly not the case. This is a significant blow to the Ryder Cup, to both the DP World Tour as well as tangentially the PGA Tour. And I think if you look at it, Henrik Stenson has had a Phenomenal career on the course, has been a, a good statesman uh, off the course, has had periods in his career. He's dealt with financial difficulties. I had mentioned that the first hour. Yeah. And Henrik said that he was built out of $8 million by Alan Stanford, the convicted fraudster who had a $7 billion Ponzi scheme. After that, though, went on to win the FedEx Cup championship and race to Dubai. And clearly the allure of potentially, which rumored, what Live Golf has offered Henrik Stenson, exceeded the legacy yeah. that would have been defined by being the Team Europe captain in Rome in 2023. And I, I love the word legacy because I wonder what it will be for a lot of these players like Henrik Stenson five years from now, ten years from now. What's the, the first line in the bio? Is it the 63 at Royal Troon in, in 2016 in the final round? Or, or is it going to be you know being stripped of his captaincy in, in this moment in the game and the celebration last week at at the old course you know there was Phil Mickelson saying I'm as happy as I've ever been looking at his face it, it betrayed that not being a part of the celebration of champions or the dinner I, I just at this moment in our game with the news that seems to be this drip drip 
You know, we're supposed to be talking about the U.S. Adaptive Open, which we have, and the Amundi Evian Championship. But it just seems like we're all walking around these hallways on tinterhooks. You know, we're waiting for the next shoe to drop, the next story, checking our phones. What's the next name? What's the next story? And, and my goodness, uh, the journalist in me is like, well, I, I want news. I, I want breaking news and, and meaty stories. But in some ways... Coming home from St. Andrews and having this fall on our lap, it's a bit exhausting and disappointing as well. I think the part that will be disheartening for European golf fans is the about turn that Henrik made in 120 days. Yeah. When you yeah. give your word in the way that the statement was worded, there were contractual obligations that Henrik Stenson can no longer adhere to, then clearly it was a 180 and about face. But uh, uh, seeing Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open, it was more cheers than jeers. So for the average golf fan that's your 10, 15 handicapper down at the range, I'm be wondering in Europe what their reaction will be to Henrik Stenson yeah. making this massive pivot and turning his back on an event that they always claim meant more yeah. to Europe than it did to the Americans. The rock in the storm. I mean, the stories of the European tour in that team room and these players all but defending the tour uh, and being kind of you know, from, and that's a, what from a competitive standpoint on the front line to protect the, the European tour. That was always the thing. The, 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 well, that's the Americans are playing for the, you know, the, it's the PGA of America. It's not really the same thing as, as the Europeans competing on behalf of the DP World Tour from a financial standpoint. It, it, it got in their DNA. But with the list of names that have gone or are going speculatively, you know, Westwood, Garcia, Poulter, Casey, GMAC, Keimer, and now potentially Stenson, I mean, the, this, is, this is the soul of the team. We're going to have a Ryder Cup potentially next year without these players. Maybe no Bryson DeChambeau. Maybe no Dustin Johnson. Maybe no Brooks Kepka. And it's the about face. It's, it's the, you know, the black cloud that Brooks Kepka talked about. Why are we talking about it? And then the next couple of days, it's, oh, he's gone. And now we have the, the humble, and we've enjoyed talking to Henrik, and we talk about that, and we'll He's miss great. his wit in the press conference. But to go from I'm humbled, I'm overjoyed, and this is for all the Swedes who came before me in March, to this in July, about face is the perfect description. It was a, a ruthless move by Live Golf to target yeah. more someone that is almost a figurehead yeah. versus someone who is a – coveted commodity when it comes yeah. to what they can do inside the ropes. Yeah. They wanted to inflict pain on organizations that they are, quote, competing with. Yeah. And that was a, a, the strike that they made today. And someone of that age, which seems to be a vulnerable age, and this is all professional golf speaking vulnerability. We're not talking about, you know, folks at home. Uh, this was the age where they're not as competitive. This is the age where they're not winning tournaments as much. Uh, and this is a part of them, I think, thinking this is potentially one last big payout. Well, and, and from a financial standpoint, we're going to welcome in Todd Lewis in just a second. And you briefly touched on it. A home European Ryder Cup will fund the DP World Tour for four years. Yeah. So that's why the Europeans that you mentioned, those seven guys where they've lived the European Tour and DP World yeah. Tour, they've lived it from a financial standpoint because they knew how important that was, what that would open up for their tour, yeah. and also for themselves when it came to appearance fees being paid to play in at events and also corporate sponsorships. Mm. Let's bring in Todd Lewis because I understand that Henrik Stenson has just released a statement. T. Lou, what can you tell us? Well, his first one through the timeline, Henrik was named the European Ryder Cup captain way before Live Golf started its tour series. Now, Henrik has always been intrigued by the format of Live Golf. But yes, Live Golf made a major play in trying to get Henrik Stenson to come onto that tour. Now, Henrik signed a contract to be the European Ryder Cup captain, and with that comes a lot of duties. Um, according to people who are familiar with the situation, Live Golf actually worked with Henrik Stenson to make a contract for him where he could actually fulfill some of those duties as Ryder Cup captain for Team Europe, meaning he could miss an event or two on the Live Golf Series and possibly play on the DP World Tour and analyze his team that was building for Europe. But he was not able to meet all of the commitments, according to the DP World Tour, that would be needed for him to serve um, 
sufficiently as the Ryder Cup captain. And so the European, or excuse me, yeah, the European Ryder Cup team decided to make that decision today and take Henrik Stenson out of the round. Now, this is going to be a significant PR blow for Henrik Stenson. Uh, George, I heard you and Damon talking about that. As Paul Azinger said in regards to the Ryder Cup, here in America, for players, the Ryder Cup is in their head, but in Europe, it's in their blood. It is huge. And for Henrik Stenson to walk away from the captaincy, I mean, they, they, he's going to he's he's going to hear it from Europe. There's no doubt about it. So he is getting significant amount of money that he felt like he could not walk away from. Um, I was talking to some people who were familiar with the situation, and I asked, could that amount have been available to Henrik Stenson after the Ryder Cup? And according to Henrik, he felt no. He felt right now the momentum is so positive with Live Golf that that money, that amount that he is getting right now would not be available for him after the Ryder Cup next year. So he decided to make the decision that he did, and that is leave the captaincy for Team Europe and join Live Golf. And Todd, in that statement, Henrik Stenson uh, confirming the news that had been rumored that he will be joining uh, Live right. Golf like, like you've touched on. And having spoken with other, uh, another Ryder Cup captain, like your peak monetization period is the ramp up until the actual matches. So probably just from an asset standpoint, that was why Live Golf said the financial numbers would be a little incongruent at this period compared to after the Ryder Cup. With Henrik Stenson, you're as dialed in as anyone in the professional game, one of our insiders. The pick of Stenson back in mid-March, given all this smoke that he was going to join a lot of his peers and go to live golf, do you think that was a somewhat surprising risk by Team Europe? From what I understand, that there was a mutual agreement that Henrik Stenson was committed to play uh, on the DP World Tour and committed to be the, the Ryder Cup captain for Europe. And yes, Live Golf was hovering in the shadows as it has for just basically about every player that's competing on the world stage. But um, both sides, well, at least the European Tour side or DP World Tour side, felt like yeah, Henrik was committed to do so. And again, Henrik felt like that, hey, I'm going to work with the DP World Tour, the DP World Tour and Live Golf. Uh, maybe we could work some arrangement out so I can fulfill some of those commitments. But clearly, European Ryder Cup felt like all of those commitments needed to be filled. It wasn't just some of those commitments that needed to be filled, and that's why they decided to make the move. So this has put the European Ryder Cup team in a very difficult situations in regards to captains moving forward. I mean, you mentioned all those players that we just assumed. I mean, they had a gluttony of captains, it seemed like, with Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, Graham McDowell, Martin Keimer, Henry Stenson. And now those players are playing at Live Golf. And if the European Ryder Cup and DP World Tour continues to have this stance, if you're going to play on that tour, then you cannot be a part of the Ryder Cup. Then, I mean, I mean, the captains, are, the, the, the cupboard's going to be bare in regards to captains for Team Europe. There's no doubt about it. Todd, the Ryder Cup, we've always thought it was almost, and used the word impenetrable, this, this, this kind of immovable force, this Super Bowl of golf. But bereft of those players and now bereft of this captain and maybe bereft of other players down the line, do you expect the tenor, the texture, the history of this great event to be affected because of these defections? You know, Damien, that's a great question. We're, we're still quite a bit of ways from the Ryder Cup happening at Rome next year. Um, and this story, as you mentioned, continues to develop in regards to live golf. Um, we don't know who's going to be playing where. Uh, we don't know how the PGA of America and how the DP World Tour, which controls the European Tour Ryder Cup, how, how they are going to feel six months from now um, as Lift Golf continues to develop. Uh, or maybe Live Golf won't develop into something that they think it will. Who knows? I mean, it's just so difficult to tell. We're all right now on a fault line when it comes to golf on the world stage, and we're uncertain where this is going to move. There's no doubt about it. T. Lou, uh, thanks for joining us. The yeah. tireless Todd Lewis. Yes, he is. <laughs> mm. Thanks, guys. Shifting our attention to the PGA Tour, TPC Twin Cities hosting the fourth playing of the tour's annual stop in Minnesota. It's the 3M Open. 
Our reporter on site this week is Kira K. Dixon, joining us from the 3M Open. Uh, Kira, what's the reaction uh, from the players on site regarding this Henrik Stenson news? Well, news that Henrik Stenson will no longer captain Team Europe for the Ryder Cup has certainly made its way onto the range here at the 3M Open. There are several Ryder Cuppers in the field here this week, including Stuart Sink, five-time Ryder Cupper, and Tony Finau, the highest-ranked player in the field. I spoke with them earlier today for their reactions to the news. Yeah, you know, you hear some, some rumblings before the, the news that something like that could transpire now that it's official um you know whoever is named the next captain you know for me in my position i i just want to be a part of that you know part of that Ryder cup and a part of that american team um shakes things up a little bit for the um again for the golfing world but um to each his own and um and wish him the best for, for whatever his future holds yeah i know you say it shakes things up but how do you think that kind of changes the ethos and the feeling around this Ryder cup yeah it changes it in that uh you know, there was a decision made. I think he probably knew the repercussions, um, unfortunately, uh, and, and that's the, the route that he wanted to go. But, um, again, for me, you know, it's I, I love playing those team events. I love being involved in them. And, um, and for me, I, I look forward to hopefully being a part of that team uh, on the American side. Well, as someone who's never been offered the opportunity to captain a team, I uh, can't imagine being offered that and saying no <laughs> to it. I just, it really throws me for a loop. Um, I've played with Henrik lots of times, and we're friends, and uh, I've played against him in the Ryder Cup, and I know how passionate he is about it. So uh, I guess the uh, opportunity to make a lot of money and go play in another tour is uh, a little bit better deal than captaining the Ryder Cup for Europe for him, and I think that says an awful lot about where Henrik's heart lies and um you know who knows there might be some stuff lying behind the scenes that we don't know about but um i played with henry recently at scottish open as a matter of fact and um you know i i'm surprised that that anybody would step down from their role as captain in the Ryder cup but um we're seeing a lot of sort of new precedents being set in the world of golf and today's uh, no exception how do you think this will change the the ethos of this Ryder cup and the feeling around it well, it's already been changed. I don't know if this really changes that much about it. Um, it. As it stands now, it looks like the guys that are playing on the new tour won't be playing in the Ryder Cup. And so that's already changed the ethos of the Ryder Cup this time around. And um, the the person who's captaining really, it doesn't make that much of a difference on the course. The, the players that are there and aren't there makes a big difference on the course. So um, it's already changed. Henrik going uh, doesn't really change the – it doesn't change the Ryder Cup, which is coming up. It changes the way I think about the Ryder Cup looking back. And and so how do you think about it looking back? Well, I just always felt like that the European guys, they they um, thrived on their togetherness and their passion for the Ryder Cup. And now we've got a lot of players who have decided to go elsewhere and basically turn down the Ryder Cup to play, and it just makes me wonder how truthful they were being about it. So, um, and they played great. You know, when I, I played in five Ryder Cups and they played fabulous during that time, they were on that heater when I, I only won one out of five <laughs> and they played fabulous. So, um, a lot of what they attributed to for their success was the togetherness the Europeans had and how they travel together and how they stay in the same hotels and they just love the Ryder Cup. Well, um, it just makes me kind of wonder now, you know, looking back, uh, there might have been something else that they were, you know, that was driving them besides their passion for the Ryder Cup. Because if if it was that way, then they would still be playing European DP Tour, DP World Tour golf, PGA Tour golf, and qualifying for the Ryder Cup. Jane. Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, is on site here this week at the 3M Open. And the PGA Tour said that he has two main action items. One is to spend time with the CEO of 3M. And two is to make himself available to players to make sure to give live updates and to give players the opportunity to ask him any questions that they might have. Uh, he said that it is pri his priority to make himself available to any player that wants to speak with him. Kira K. Dixon in Blaine, Minnesota, with reaction from a couple of United States Ryder Cup veterans. Now, this statement from the now former European Ryder Cup captain Henrik Stenson on joining 
Live Golf. After much consideration, I have decided to join several of my fellow professionals and play in the Live Invitational Series starting at Bedminster in a week or so's time. As many of you will have already seen, unfortunately, my decision to play in live events has triggered Ryder Cup Europe to communicate that it is not possible for me to continue in my role as Ryder Cup captain. This despite me making specific arrangements with Live Golf, who have been supportive of my role as captain to ensure I could fulfill the obligations of captaincy. While I disagree with this decision, for now, it is a decision I have to accept. I have huge respect and admiration for the Ryder Cup and those individuals behind it who I know are doing their utmost to act in the best interest of the historic events. More golf today, right after this. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Back in April, Jennifer Cup show making the leap into Poppy's Pond as she claimed her first ever LPGA win and major victory at the Chevron Championship. That's the final leap in the Poppy's Pond, a two-shot victory, finishing at 14 under par for the week. In June, she won the Meyer Classic, beating Leona McGuire and defending champion Nelly Corder in a playoff. The Winmark Cup show's second of the season, but hey, don't let the bubbly stop you there. Cup show. Just this past Saturday, went on to snatch her third victory this season. Teaming up with Lizette Salas, they took home the title at the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. Duo closed with a get this 9-under 61 in best ball to lock in the five-stroke victory in what is the LPGA Tour's lone team event. So that is three wins in a major for Jennifer Cupshow. Got us thinking here on golf today. How often have we seen three wins in a major or more since 2018 on the LPGA Tour? You see SH Park, Ari Jatanagarn did this in 2018, Jin Young Ko 2019. They include two majors. And just last year, it was Nelly Korda. Those four players have all gone on to reach Rolex number one in their career, something Jennifer Cupshow is trying to do. And major champion Jennifer Cupshow joins us now. Jennifer, it's got to have a nice ring to it, that that's always the greeting that you get. Now, major champion, and since winning that, it seems like the floodgates have opened with three wins this season in your last 10 starts. How have you been spurred on with this great run? Yeah, I think, honestly, like the biggest thing is ever since I've gotten married, um, it has just changed everything. Um, a lot less stress on my table now. So um, once I got the first win, it was, it seems like I'm more comfortable out on the golf course and feel like I'm really meant to be here on this LPGA level. Um, and so it's definitely helped me to be able to play stress-free and uh, get a couple more wins. You know, what's the difference between winning and, and finishing second or fifth? Have you been able to put your finger on the, Is it a shot here or there? Is it a quarter shot around? What have you figured out that so many people have yet to figure out? Honestly, I think it's just like the pressure coming down the stretch to really be able to close it out. Um, I mean, you saw in my second win during the playoff, I missed a really short putt. And that's truly just because I'm shaking and I'm not used to it. Like, I just don't know what to do. Um, so it's really just coming down the stretch, feeling all of that pressure. It's been awesome to see the run that you've been on, obviously, with wins in two of your last three starts. How do you carry the experience of what you've been able to do, not just in majors, but, but on this recent stretch to the Evian Championship and use that to your advantage? Yeah, I think out here in Evian, it's such a beautiful golf course. Um, the grass is the type of grass that I like. So I'm pretty excited for that. But um, just to know how to prepare um, when you come over here, it's really hard to, you really want to go and prepare on the course. Well, I've already seen the course. So I'm just like trying to get over the jet lag instead of going and playing 18 holes. It's just like being out here for a couple of years. You really learn what it is to be a professional golfer in time management to help your body recover from the week before when I was in contention and I was exhausted. So Jennifer, you have the potential to be one of the faces of American golf. It's something Lexi Thompson has gone through Christy Kerr and many others. How do you handle that? Now, the more you win, the more famous you get, the more people want to talk to you kind of, how do you balance your, your, your level of fame rising with also wanting to keep things simple inside the ropes? 
Yeah, I think I, I really do a good job of separating it. Um, I give the fans the time off the golf course and when I'm getting ready to play and when I'm inside the ropes, I'm strictly doing that. And if a fan asks me during the middle of the round to stand, sign an autograph, I say, is it okay if you wait till after the round? And usually they respect that. So it's just learning the simple steps like that to be able to keep me focused, but then also still be able to help and be with the fans. Um, I love that part of the job, being able to influence the next generation. So um, definitely have to give part to that as well. How does your goal setting shift within a season? I'm assuming obviously it was a goal to win on the LPGA Tour and win a major. You're able to check both those boxes in the span of one week. And now you're going from what could be a career year to a historic year if you're able to win a second major. Yeah, I don't really try to think about that too much. I think I really keep it simple, and that's what I'm pretty good at is just going out and playing my best every week. Um, obviously, yeah, now that I've won, it's I'm really more focused on winning because I know I can do it. So, um, just But still just keeping it simple and not thinking about all of the big things in the back of my mind. Well, LPGA fans that pay close attention know you have a runner-up finish on this golf course in this tournament back in 2019. What did you learn uh, during that magical run that week that could possibly help you this week as you chase that second major? Yeah, that week was such a whirlwind. I played so well. Um, I think during that week I um, lag putted phenomenally. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things is specifically being on the correct portions of the green, but if I'm not being able to have the speed down and two putt, um, these greens are pretty crazy out here in Evian. So that's an important part. Real quick, as we let you go, Jennifer, some of our colleagues like to indulge in French cuisine during oh, their week sure. at the Evian championship. Is there anything you get to enjoy outside of the ropes this week? I want to say it's French, but there's a really good Thai restaurant called Tuk Tuk, and I go there a lot. So it's it's definitely not French, but that's that's the normal thing out here. Okay, Tuk Tuk. Whatever works. If you want good Thai food, you know where to find Jennifer Cup Show. Yeah. All right. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much.